from MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, here with Paula Koss. Hey, you might have noticed the Grammy Awards were on last night, but did you know that a Mississippian was up for one? We'll speak with Macomb native and Grammy-nominated Vastai Jackson today about his climb up the ladder of musical success and his latest album, The Soul of Jimmy Rogers. And since Valentine's Day will be very soon upon us, warning, uh, writer and editor Katie Eubanks will share her top 11 things to watch on Valentine's Day. Hey, listeners, what's your favorite love song or romantic movie? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at Marshall at MPB mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm joined with Paula Cost, who is in the house. Paul? Happy Valentine's Day, a day early. Marshall, thank you. I look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow morning bright and early and giving you my Valentine's present to you. Yeah, and it won't be candy. <laughs> it will be not be a heart. Or cake. It may be a heart. It may be my heart as it comes out of my mouth. So. But, well, Do you know well, who that is playing in the background? That's Vestai. That was Bobby Rush, actually. That was Bobby Rush? Yes. I'll be darned. Nice. Hey, I love the title. I'm Grammy winner Bobby Rush. We can throw that out there. 84 years old, Grammy winner Bobby Rush. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. But anyway... Yeah, we got a little ringing here. I don't know why. He did. It was a little bit high. But I tell you what, the good news is, what a great title for an album. Porcupine Meat. Porcupine Meat. I know. And speaking of Vastai, who will be here in the studio today? He is on that that song. Yeah, and I believe uh, Bobby and Vastai were in the same category. Yeah, they were. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, it's like I lost the Pulitzer to a friend. You I know. know. And I was like I really know. mad I lost the Pulitzer, but I was glad my friend won, kind of. But I'm right. still mad that I won it. So, yeah, I completely get that. Also, we're going to have Katie Eubanks in the studio, and she'll be sharing her top 11 things to watch on Valentine's Day. Um, Paul, what's your favorite romantic movie? Oh, man, I I love a, a Tom Hanks and, you know, uh, You've Got Mail. Yeah. And, uh, there's another one I was thinking about, Serendipity. Do you remember the oh, one yeah, that movie yeah, came yeah. out? Yeah. I always thought it was it was such a unique movie where they went through all the different phases of trying to find each other after Wait they Wait a minute, are you telling out. me you're a little bit of a softie here? I, I, like, I like movies. I like romantic movies like that. Yeah, I do too. Now, now I do like my action movies, but um, there, there's a time for it for sure. Now, if you've been married as long as I have, The Shining starts becoming kind of romantic. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's classic. Yeah, here you go. Here you go. I got you a present. Here's Johnny, you know, on that. So, yeah, no, but Katie's going to have her list. I was thinking about that, though. Tom Hanks, really, him, her, him and Sleepless in Seattle, both. Yes. I mean, him and Meg Ryan, great, great chemistry. They really do. Uh, another one I think about, you know, Kevin Costner's been in so many good romantic movies. Uh, yeah. You know, for me as a sports guy, I love the movie for for the love of the game. The baseball movie oh, yeah, was a picture, yeah, yeah. and it's it's all based around on the relationship that he had with his girlfriend at the time, and then became wife. And you know, I, I just love that kind of stuff. See, I think Castaway is one of the greatest Tom Hanks romantic movies, and I'm not talking about his love for Kelly, and that's what kept him alive on the island. I mean, his love for Wilson. And Wilson, no oh, doubt. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like okay. I really truly cried when Wilson floated away. That's very <laughs> sad. So definitely on that. Did you watch the Grammys last night? How treated did you watch it? I saw highlights. I yeah. didn't actually watch it on television. But it, apparently, with the, the, the production, internet, the production, you know? yeah, the production was a complete nightmare. 
Yeah. I mean, the sound uh, and everything F-bombs else. F-bombs were being dropped. Uh, they, it, Adele dropped the yeah. F-bomb. Well, she had to do like a, a mulligan. You know, she, yeah. she she hit it off the tee and she had to start over. So Right. Pretty crazy. I know. I was, I was thinking Mariah Carey even probably would have been crying and saying she needed a vacation <laughs> after that. So. Why are the Grammys so long? I don't know. They're like five hours long. You can take a nap and wake up and they'll still be on. You know what? You can wake up the next day and watch all the clips and pretty much save yourself four and a half hours on that easy. That's what I love about the internet. I was instantly able to watch Beyonce's song within like 10 minutes after she finished performing. I was like, okay, this is amazing. Same thing for Bruno. I got up this morning and watched uh, both of his performances, Bruno Mars. Was he not great? He was great. Man. Yeah. Just tipping. He's probably gained a lot of new fans last night. If folks didn't know about him, they knew about him after last night's performances. He really did. And CeeLo, he looked like a... um, Gold pile Candy of, rapper. Yeah, I was going to say something a little more crude, but yeah, no, it's like, what was he thinking on that? Oh, no, I know what he's thinking. My career's gone. I need to do something really rash. I'm just waiting for an explanation. I mean, a friend of mine says fashion is freedom. Okay, but mm-hmm. uh, he looked like a, a new member of the Avengers or something. And <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, Smiley, my, Ricky Smiley said he looked like a, a, a bag of pennies or something. It, it was it was crazy. Did you see see those outfit, Paul? That was something else. <laughs> it was out there. I don't know what that was on his head. Was it was his head just painted or was it a golden robe? I mean, it looked like Goldfinger got a hold of him or something. You know, it's like on that. I tell you, Beyonce was amazing. She's force of nature as she always is. Um, she scared me. Too. The headpiece though looked just like Mother Nature from the Santa Claus. Oh yeah. I mean, it was the same headpiece. I mean, almost exactly. I even have proof right here. A friend of mine put this long uh, status on Facebook about all of the Egyptian connections that that she was portraying in the the thing because some people were saying, oh. This this is Illuminati. This is some devil worshiping things. And my Facebook friend said, no, she's honoring some Egyptian gods. So she's See, always going to uh, bring people to conversation. Always. I, I never watch television that deeply. <laughs> I really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like, oh, Beyonce's on. I'll go get a snack and listen to her. And she's fantastic. But uh, Adele, Adele actually gave her some love, even though, you know, Beyonce yeah. didn't win. Adele's like, hey, you know what? I'm wearing my little lemon pin. I'm going to say I'm going to split this in half and give it to Beyonce. Right. And we didn't have to have anybody hop up on the stage and say that Beyonce deserved to win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce was the best of all time. That was that was great. I thought that speech by Adele was very touching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to- Classy. Yeah, it was classy to to honor and give homage to somebody like Beyonce because that was a very difficult category. Oh, I no was kidding. just talking to my mom, just thinking about how big Hello was and how the, the, the reviews that Adele's album got and then Lemonade and the, all the vid- visuals with the videos. It was a really hard decision. Yeah, it really was. And of course, I mean, seriously, if you're going to get beat by somebody, by Adele. Oh, yeah. I mean... Seriously. Right. She, she can bell song. I'm looking forward to him Vesai, and he's going to come in just a few minutes and talk a little bit about his, of course, being nominated. Have you ever been, like, nominated for something really pretty cool, and then you didn't win, and then you just... Of course, the nice thing about me was I was sitting behind a computer... And I saw I lost, so I didn't have like a billion people watching me as I lost. Uh-huh, right, that's yeah, different. That's, that's got to be so tough. It's like, yeah. like the Oscars, you know, the, the people that lose should get a Best Acting Award because mm-hmm. they're sitting there with a smile, nodding their head, <laughs> going, I love you, man, I love you. Right. So it's good. So Valentine's Day, you got big plans? No. See? Awesome. Not really. Um, there's going to be a, a concert at Next Level Entertainment. Yeah. Where, uh, it's inside the Metro Center. They've renovated the area, and there's going to be like 10 different artists performing at this concert. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going to go. Are you going to be emceeing it, or are you just going to go no, get to enjoy it? I, it's so funny. Every time I go somewhere now, people are like, are you going to do comedy tonight? I'm like, nope, I'm just enjoying the show. Yeah, so. I'm just a civilian tonight. No yeah, big deal. just Paul, a civilian. I know you do, because, you, <laughs> Paul, you're a big big romantic. I, uh, Lizzie and I are going to go to Easily Amused, and, and you're going to love this, yeah, Marty. 
Marshall. We're going to do some artwork together. Oh, that'll be um, awesome. And they, they're having uh, couples and uh, everybody in for for easily amused there in Ridgeland, and I'm looking forward to that. And then then probably dinner and then back home and getting up early. What an absolutely great idea because, you know, a couple that paints together stays together. Unfortunately, my painting usually involves a four-inch brush and, you know, <laughs> trim and walls. It uh, doesn't have a canvas, but what a great idea to it, do that. It's a lot of fun. We did it this weekend with Cannon and Cole. They they had the kids' workshop for Valentine's this weekend on yeah. Saturday morning, and all the kids there, it was slam full. The whole, the whole room was full of kids and their parents, and they were draw, drawing hearts. And you should have seen all the artistic flair that, that these kids yeah. put into those hearts. It, it was really fun to watch. Well, we spent the weekend mounting artwork for the big art show coming up at my wife's school, and so that's really cool for me because I get to see all the work from there. I've never been to one of those paint places because I generally paint on my own. Right. But that would be fun to do. It really would. Well, you know, they, they put a lot of nice touches into it. You know, they, they'll have some strawberry and strawberries and fruit and cheese. And sometimes they bring wine and champagne in. And it's, it's very romantic. Lizzie and I have well, done I do it that every time I draw a cartoon. <laughs> I mean, I've got that, wine and cheese and, you know, strawberries and so forth. So, I mean, I, I make sure I do it upright too. On that, yeah. Amy and I actually did our Valentine's dinner this week, Saturday at lunch. That's actually smart. Yeah. It, it, it saves you from beating the crowd. Yeah. You know, you get to beat the crowd because right. it's going to be crazy tonight. Oh, it's just tomorrow. nuts. And, of course, my son's taking his girlfriend out. You know, he's got reservations and he's all excited. He goes like, oh, I got a little tear coming out of my eyes. Like, I can't <laughs> believe my baby's out going on a date. My um, favorite Valentine's story, Marshall, I got to share this with you. And I want you to share one with me. Um, when I was in sixth grade, um, there was a girl named Marty Crosby, mm-hmm. and man, I was just, I was so in love with Marty Crosby. Maybe it was fourth grade, and I got my father to take me to the, um, I guess the CBS, and I got a big thing of chocolates. Well, with that's the where I'm going and tonight. <laughs> and her dad was the athletic director at uh, at Jackson Prep, and her brother was a big football player there. And of course. You know, here, here I am in fourth grade. So I ran up to the door, put it on her doorstep, rang the doorbell, ran back and got in the car with my dad and said, Dad, take off quick. We got to get out of here. And he, my dad said, well, what, what did she say? Did she like it? And I said, I don't know. I didn't stay around and wait. I rang the doorbell and left it. So the next day I asked her at school, I said, did you like my Valentine's present? And she said, no, I gave it to my big sister. Heart immediately broken. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's like you were putting a flaming dog bag of dog poo on her porch or something. That was great. It's like ambush on that. Look, um, my favorite one. I don't know. I just remember many of Valentine's Day. I forgot it was Valentine's Day, and I was joining the mass of husbands that were sitting at the CVS or the Kroger or whatever at 10 o'clock at night picking over all five cards that were left. I remember getting Amy one year a Homer Simpson Valentine's card that was in Spanish because <laughs> that was the last one that was there. So How'd that go over with Amy? Um, well, the couch definitely hurts your spine. I'll just tell you that. So, uh, you know, I think after 23 years, she pretty much just tolerates me. Well, that's awesome. 23 years of marriage, never had an argument, still going strong, right? Well, we're still going strong. <laughs> so definitely never had an argument. That's unrealistic. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, uh, yeah, well, we're not going to bring that into the discussion right now. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Vasti Jackson's coming in. Of course, we got Katie Eubanks as well. And... Paul's going to give us his uh, special Valentine's workout plan, too. We'll throw that. Oh, so, yeah. okay. Got to lose weight. Got to look good. Good when you're going to be romantic and everything. Got to, right. You got to look good. Well, we want to hear from the listeners. What's your favorite love song or your favorite romantic movie? Ooh, yes. I love it. That's going to be very good. And, of course, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Your name. Welcome back to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, the pre-Valentine's Day edition, because we're all about the love today. And I tell you what, we got a great question of the day. What's your favorite romantic song or movie? And we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. Of course, joined by Paula Cost in the studio. Fast Eye Jackson will be joining us in just a second as well. Paul, you were throwing out your favorite um there, there's yeah. one for sure, and I, I, I was singing it to Marshall during the break. Uh, you are so beautiful to me. I think that's just a, a classic, uh, classic love song. Yeah, and I, I, I actually sat down because I read Katie's list. She's going to come and give it to us, and it's very good, and she put a lot of thought into it. And I had a few thoughts here. My, these are just my top ten romantic uh, movies. Number one, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Okay, now let me explain. Okay, I'll explain. I, I, I get you. Yeah, I'll I get explain you. all these things. Uh, number one, Leah and Han. When Han's about to go down into the, the into the freezer, yeah, she says, "I love you," and Han says, "I know." <laughs> that is such a guy thing to say, and it was great because you know what? It was that that moment that she he saved her from kissing her brother anymore. That's so right. That's a great, very romantic movie. Second one is Titanic. We're going to get to that side just a second. That was great. Uh, financially challenged, Jack gets wealthy. Rose to pose. Uh, naked, and yeah. but Rose won't return the favor by moving over on the floating door. Jack has <laughs> turned into a popsicle. So there you go. It's a very romantic movie as well. Sharita, were you saying the Vast Eye is in the house? Very good. Vast Eye Jackson is very good to talk to. Congratulations on the nomination. That is huge. And congratulations on the album itself. It's fantastic. Well, listen, man, we are, we're so blessed and uh, to, let me just say this first, for God to uh, find favor in, in letting us be born and raised in Mississippi. Because it's the Mississippi juice that brings this music alive. America's music, Mississippi, the birthplace of America's music. And we're just so pleased and excited the world is experiencing more of this. You know, we've had you on the show before, and we had that panel talking about creativity. And I love the story how the soul of Jimmy Rogers came to be because it's truly a God moment when it comes to creativity that puts you in the place where you were at to be able to think creating a blues album about the, the father of country music. Yeah, uh, it was truly inspiration from God, of course. And uh, the thing about the album that is really so beautiful, and I will say this, this is without ego, but with, with truth, that this record actually ties people together. It shows us that we have more in common, more similarities than differences. And uh, the soul of, of Jimmy Rogers, as, we, as I learned through research, was that you know, he was raised in a community around a lot of Americans of African descent. And he picked up on their musicality, and that's what made his yodel unique. Jimmy Rogers would say, I'm yodeling the blues. And we know the yodel was from a, a Swiss musical culture. And um, when he finally began recording, that's what you heard. You heard the, the, the inflections of, of Africans in America in Jimmy Rogers' sound. And a lot of people don't know that Jimmy worked in blackface before he became famous in the vaudeville circuit. So he would parody the African-Americans. And so that, that, that richness, you know, that's unique with Jimmy is because of uh, his associations, man. And he, you know, worked with Louis Armstrong and he rode the, the rails and he was on work on the train from New Orleans to New York to California, St. Louis, Chicago. 
so uh, there are lots of uh, lots of influences uh, Jimmy Rogers. And for me, once I began to examine that, uh, I could only uh, approach these songs from a first-person standpoint, and it's because of my living and my culture and to surrender. To I want everybody to know that this is not a parody album. This is an album of respect of the truth. And uh, there, there are no limitations. The thing that makes me so humble and proud is that the reach of this has extended so far. And I, it's an independent record. I did the complete record myself, financed it, produced it, recorded it. I'm the engineer, the solo guitar and vocalist. So that our, our people can know that you can accomplish this. You can, you, can, you can do this in Mississippi, and it reached the highest echelons of musical arts with the Academy. It can happen. It happened with me. Also, let me say this. The beautiful thing is Bobby Rush, Porcupine Meat, wins yeah. the Grammy. The same house I recorded, the soul of Jimmy Rogers, is the same house that I recorded the demos and pre-production for Bobby's Porcupine Meat. We're talking with Vesta Jackson, and of course, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We're talking with Vastai Jackson. Let me rephrase that. Grammy-nominated Vastai Jackson. Congratulations on that. That was... um, you know, it's tough, too, and it's tough. To, I, I've done that with the Pulitzer. I know I've lost it a couple times, but I lost it to friends, and you lost it to a dear friend and to a very talented man and a very deserving guy, too. And Porcupine Meat has got to be one of the greatest titles for an album that I've ever heard in my life. It is, but, you know, I didn't lose. See, this is the thing uh, that's so beautiful is that I'm the musical director on Porcupine Meat. Oh, yeah, so that's true. Bobby and I won with Porcupine Meat. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a... That's so yeah, you you definitely so you get you get the statue and everything. Yeah, well, we hope so. Yeah, I mean everything has just been going by so fast. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is that uh, that out of the five nominations in the traditional blues category, uh, I was on two of them. That's the solo Jimmy Rogers and Porcupine Me. This that within itself is huge, and I thank God for that. I've been working with Bobby Rush for about thirty. Oh, my God, no, about 37 years, from his Sue record to I Ain't Stuttin' You, One Monkey Don't Stop No Show, all of those tunes, What's Good for the Goose is Good for the Gander, and uh, G-Man, which was also nominated for a Grammy in 2002. So the, this is so beautiful, man, that Bobby, out of all of these years, here we are, you know, in L.A., nominated for a Grammy again. And the funny thing is that Bobby and I had talked, and we knew, you know, once both of us was nominated, if I win, Bobby wins. Bobby win, I win, we win. We're here together, man. And the cool thing is that tonight, guess what? I'll be on stage at the Maui Sugar Mill with Bobby Rush. We, we, the, the, we're, we're still in L.A. Uh, with uh, interviews and TV and all sorts of things. But we're going we're gonna to celebrate this thing tonight you know, at Maui Sugar Mill. Uh, just like we do in Mississippi. One of the things I've admired about you for a long, long time are your standards and your dedication to your craft and how good you are and how, how hard you work at it. Bobby Rush is a pretty good guy to emulate, isn't he? Yeah, it's amazing. He's 84 years old, and he's still doing, you know, 
five million concerts a year, and, and I wish I had like one third of his energy. That would be great. Uh, yeah, it's truly amazing. And um, I'm 57 years young, and I intentionally will not work as hard as Bobby Rush does. <laughs> a miracle. I, I just can't imagine it. So let me share this with you. Okay. We were here. Uh, today is Monday. I think we were here Thursday, right? Bobby flew in Thursday morning. He flew out Friday to Kansas City of Phoenix. He did shows, and he flew back into Los Angeles yesterday morning. For, and we were standing outside at 1130s at the Staples Center. Now, understand this. Last night at about 11 p.m., I'm headed to the hotel. Bobby's going to another party. Wow. It's He's like, 83 years old. Right. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. He's a bionic blues man. That's all I can say. He truly is. Going back to the, the soul of Jimmy Rogers, and talk about the process on how this came about, because it really started with you being in a play. In this yeah, I want, I want people to really know this, man, because it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, Britt Gully and I, whom I love, and I saw Britt at the library in Hattiesburg doing a tribute to Jimmy Rogers. And this was at the time that I was doing this play, Robert, uh, the man that missed the music, Robert Johnson. So I came up to Britt and said, Britt, hey, man, this is great. We need to get together and do something, because I do this Robert Johnson, and you the Jimmy Rogers thing. So yeah, man, that'd be great. And so I was in New York for Mississippi, the Mississippi picnic, right? A few years later, I saw Britt. He was performing Jimmy Rogers songs. Hey, man, last night, you know, we were together. Oh, yeah, I remember that. He said, well, man, we got to get together and do something. So when Brett got a call to do this, um, America's Blue Yodeler, Jimmy Rogers, he called me and said, hey, I think I got something here that uh, may be good for us to do. And he told me about the play, and the director called me, uh, Ronnie Miller. And he said, well, that guy, this part is for Hobo Bill. He's not a guitar player. He's a harmonica player. And... Uh, so do you play harmonica? And, you know, just from my mom, my, my grandmother's teachers, you know, I, 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 you know, I try to avoid lying. So I said, uh, no, I do not play harmonica, but I will be playing harmonica, you know, by the time you do the play. I'll learn to play harmonica. So, and that's how it happened. So I went in the woodshed and learned, uh, to, to, you know, the, the harmonica parts for the play. And, uh, and when I was practicing three songs that I had to sing for the play, I began to really like what I was hearing from Jimmy Rogers and then what I was doing. And I told Ronnie, I said, Ronnie, uh, the people who did this music, let's say in New York or Virginia, I said, they're doing these tempos much faster from an East Coast style. I said, as hot and humid as it is down here, some of these songs would not have been done this fast. I gave him an example of uh, Hobo's Meditation, and he loved the treatment that I gave it, which was more of a first person. That's the guy is in a boxcar, and he's alone, he's cold, he's having these thoughts. It wouldn't be mid-tempo, it would be slow if he's missing his family and all this stuff. So Ronnie loved it. As I began to infuse more uh, Mississippi, African-American culture into these Jimmy Rogers songs for the stage play so that there would be more empathy and more true Mississippi culture in what was happening on stage, that transformed these songs, the three songs. And after I 
I recorded those at home because I was recording myself to listen back to see how well I was performing the material. I just got overwhelmed, and I recorded this uh, this CD in about a week. I just went through the songs, I recorded them, and uh, based upon my cultural references. So um, I don't yodel on this CD at all because I felt if I would have attempted to yodel, it would have given disservice to it. And uh, I just do it from my life's experience. That's how it came about. Recorded in one week in my living room in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'm a sole engineer. Mastered it with a friend of mine and mixed it with David Farrell in New Orleans. And that's how it came about. That's it, man. That's that good. Yeah. That's what's so amazing about it because it happens so fast and so quick. You, that's when you know that you truly have something special going when the ideas come to you that quickly. And then, of course, it was Grammy nominated, which was a bit of a shock to you, wasn't it? It was a shock. Now, you know, everybody knows I got a, I'm, I'm, I have this malady called extreme tunnel vision. Some people will say, well, that means you're able to focus and you're able to concentrate. Uh, well, mine is a lot more extensive and intensive uh, than that. So I didn't know the process. I only wanted to have the CD finished to debut at the play in Meridian, at the Little Meridian Theater. You see, that right. was my goal. It wasn't a Grammy. It was just to have the CD to sell while the play was running for a week. Yeah, but so if, yeah, if you had yeah, Right. Oh, I just said if you would have written it for a Grammy, you would it would never have been as good. No, 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 no. It wouldn't have because, firstly, I was in such a hurry, and sometimes, you know, people talk about me being a perfectionist. Uh, I was in such a hurry, I couldn't be my anal retentive perfectionist self with the CD. You know what I mean? Right. There were things that I actually could have done technically better. You know what I mean? But I think because of the urgency, you actually hear the urgency in the recording. Right. So it's very natural. I don't have time to go and clean this stuff up and make it, you know, exactly, you know, on the beat and so forth and so on. So there's a lot of natural uh, give and take, push and pull on this recording. So when the preliminaries were done, were going in for the Grammys, I don't know where I was, but I didn't know. I didn't know that I'd made it through the first rounds. I didn't know if I made it through the second rounds. It just wasn't on my mind. I found out, like, so many other people online. It something came up or Google notice or something and I looked at it and I'm like, hmm. So and then I saw it somewhere else online. I said, hmm. And I'm like, well and that's well, you know what, let me go to Naris. So I went to the Naris site, boom, there it is, nominated. That's how I found out. Wow. So, so you knew it wasn't fake news at that point. Hmm? You knew Take it again? wasn't fake news at that point. You knew it was real. Yeah, that's what I knew it was real. I didn't really quite, you know, embrace it until I actually saw it on the official Naris website. Right. I've got yeah. a question for you about, you know, when you were starting your career off and you know, setting setting goals for yourself, setting long-term goals, short-term goals, um, and, and possibly share some of the people in your life that, that uh, really helped you and motivated you along the way. And this is going to be a great um, opportunity for, for young mu musicians and people in the music industry to hear somebody that's been successful, that's had a great career. How did, they, how did you make that happen? How, what would you tell them? Well, you know, the way I've done it, I don't know if I would tell people to do it this way, but I'm going to tell you right now how I did it. Being successful as a musician really didn't enter my mind. Um, I was, I come from a family of musicians, so the music was around the house all the time. We didn't have a car, but we had a piano in the pantry. We lived in the project, but we had a piano. Wow. My uncle had a trombone, my aunt had clarinet, trumpets, tubas, all of this stuff. So... By the time I was 13, I was playing and making a dollar or four dollars 
or Coke, a bag of chips or something. With big, moody, and people, musicians in the neighborhood. So I never made a decision to become a musician or professional musician. Um, it's just, it just kind of developed because music was always around the house, and this is the way we entertained each other. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, just love- went from fun yeah. to announced. In of course, I, I know one thing about you is your work ethic is incredible, and that's one thing when young musicians get out there. I mean, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't take drugs. No. You have standards for no. your musicians on stage. I mean, you're yeah. you, you know you're you're a pro. Well, I don't I don't even look at it like that. I mean, if people we can attach the term to professionalism in an intellectual sense, but it's really a god thing. You know, I have no need to 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 hide uh, my faith. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. I'm very secure in my faith. I'm very secure in that Jesus was a blues man. You know what I mean? Being a blues man has nothing to do with be, being a musician. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I'm no more blues man than a reggae man than a country man, blah, blah, blah. It's about our our living. You know what I mean? What we've, what we've come through and the, the journey of this thing that we call the blues, you know, from, you know, the west coast of, of Africa into Brazil and going up to the Caribbean and, and into the Americas. So with, with that, what I... What I, I believe that um, for me to have focus and for to have clarity in the way the Holy Spirit speaks to me, that I can't have a lot of toxins in my body. Right. And I can't have a lot of toxins in my mind psychologically. And I, and I need to avoid spiritual toxins, you know, as well. So, so when I say the aspect of how would you do it from a professional standpoint, I think the best thing for you to do is to maintain clarity. You know what I mean? And that is to avoid toxins. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, negative attitudes, bad food. You, you know what I mean? Uh, things of this nature. Uh, you know, I'm a voracious reader, but the thing that is, is for me, now we're talking about to inspire the youth and say, if you're going to do this, study to show thyself approved um, and look beyond your, your immediate environment or your immediate circle. Um, one thing that in Mississippi is that we have so many naturally gifted musicians, yeah? Amen. That's true. And, and, and so but we didn't have Google when I was growing up, So or YouTube. So you can go online and query, you know what I mean, anything about music or recording or business. So I would say in this day and age, take advantage of that. I didn't have that. The thing that propelled me was doing better music. We always uh, was, were trying to make the music better, be a better player, a better writer, a better arranger. Um, if you, if there's, there's so much, there's different types of learning. Of course, from uh, the African-American or the, uh, of tradition in Mississippi anyway, our greatest form of musical training is, is, is uh, in the church. I mean, and I'm going to say because I was, you know, indoctrinated into the Baptist uh, religion, or I guess a, a denomination, that all of that stuff is ear training. No one cares about whether you can read music. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Because it's it's, it's more important to now. I read and write music, and I, I suggested everybody learn how to do that if you're going to be a musician, because it really it's another skill set that will help you so much. But if you can't hear the music, it really doesn't matter how well you read the music, because you will not be very musical. 
Yeah, I know. I know that you started out playing, and then when you went and got training, you know that was you took it to another level because you started learning the the theory and the, the history. Right. Yeah, I mean that because you, you you started at one level and then you went to the next once you got serious. Yeah, about well, it. everybody, everybody, you know, in my community, you know, they didn't read and, and I didn't even know the names of the guitar strings. I only played by ear. I didn't know the names of the guitar strings and all that stuff. Until I was fifteen years old. Right. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know what an eight note was or any of that. And uh, and the main thing about it, you know from our tradition is that if, if the music or the instrument isn't talking, then you're not, uh, you're not playing well. Right. You see what I mean? Uh, and, and just so that you know, because we talk about the blues and country music and all of this stuff, and they're, they're related, but if you were playing, let's say, Claire de Lune, you know what I mean, or Bach or Beethoven or Rachmaninoff, I mean, in the African-American community, most, not all, because there were some people who were really into the European tradition, but it was, it was a few. Um, you were playing well because we, I was, we were talking about the early 60s so everything had to have cultural reference relative to phrasing melisma pitch and groove yeah sure. and all of this music when you talk about popular American music it's, all, it's built upon the African tradition of rhythm you see and you can very easily hear that if you look at the aspect of um, uh, uh, let's say Metallica, for example. If you listen to Metallica and you listen to Bruno Mars, you can instantly hear what the influences are. You see? Yep. And so within that, um, it was more important for you to be able to play from a cultural reference that was based upon the African-American paradigm as opposed to the European-American paradigm. Now, my, my uh, let's say, hodgepodge uh, mesh-up and mash-up was because my grandmother's grandfather was a white Irishman, you see. So I had, I knew my white Irish Mississippi cousins. They lived across the tracks over there in the opulent homes, and we lived across the tracks over here in the project. But we would see each other, you know what I mean, downtown, so where we would identify as cousins. You know, Mississippi has a very interesting culture. Well, and the, the nice thing about it, and I can tell you this as a writer and an artist and everything else I do too, it's just it's all right here on top of us. It's not like the right. it's not five hundred miles away from us. We're all here together, and it's like oils permeating to a canvas. Mm-hmm. And so, my grandfather was into complete gut bucket hard blues. He played guitar and harmonica. He taught my grandmother to play the guitar. Now she liked what country music and gospel. You see, so as a kid. I was always hearing gut bucket, soulful blues, country, and gospel music. So to interpret the Jimmy Rogers stuff wasn't difficult at all because my mother loved String Bean and Johnny Cash and Don Williams. You know what I mean? Right. And all, all of those people, and Merle Haggard, you know? And so from that standpoint, you know, I feel that God has given me, you know, he's grown me to this point, but I, I don't want to mislead the youth. Study, study, and spend more time with your instrument than you do on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. That's that's in, in anything in life, to be honest with you. The album is The Soul of Jimmy Rogers. Of course, not only is he Grammy nominated, he's also a Governor's Arts Award winner, too. Congratulations on that. What's next for you? Well, you know, thank you so much, and, and that's such a great honor, and I'll be in Jackson Thursday for that. Uh, what we What we're doing now... Is that we've uh, I've, I've uh, recorded uh, voices for uh, the Doobie Brothers actually, so they they uh, contacted me. So there's going to be a re-release 
I think, in August or September of listening to the music. And I'm excited about that because, uh, you know, the, the, the director for video and the engineers flew into Mississippi and they gave me the opportunity to put together, you know, an eight-piece uh, gospel ensemble to, uh, to um, record more of a gospel sound on the Doobie Brothers classic, Listen to the Music. So there are wonderful things that are happening um, that is going to actually bring more attention to Mississippi. Um, and so we're going to Australia, Austria in April. I'll leave Austria and go to Australia for Byron Bay. And uh, and we'll be doing some, uh, some more things, of course, out here in Los Angeles. And uh, highlighting Mississippi, of course. Amen. Yeah. Vast, I thank you so much for taking time out and joining us because I know it's early to, over there and I appreciate you. Congratulations. We're just very proud of you and very happy for you. Thank you so much. And everybody out there, go to my website or go to iTunes and buy this for the soul of Jimmy Rogers CD. I really need the money to make a new CD and I'm not going to do GoFundMe and I'm not asking people for donations. I'm investing in myself. So support us and we will support you. Thank you so much, Mr. Ramsey and and and, uh, and Sharita. We love you all. Love you, Mississippi. See you in Jackson Thursday. We'll see you soon. All right. Question of the day is this. What's your favorite love song or romantic movie? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Katie Eubanks is going to be joining us just a second and talking about her favorite romantic movies. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, the pre-Valentine's Day edition. I tell you what, question of the day, what's your favorite love song or romantic movie? We got. We'll go to a couple calls. Got a couple calls. Yeah, we got James in Gulfport. You um, actually, you have a question about Vastai or comment. How are you today? Well, I'm I'm doing great, and I'm just sitting here with my mouth open because of your uh, last interview, and I got on in the middle of it, so I don't even know who that was. But he was so right on. I'm a ex Mississippi farm boy who went to New York City to be an opera singer. Awesome. Had a brief career, very successful, but hurt my throat and went on doing other things. But the way he could talk back and forth about people that would mostly be poo-pooed in proper music circles was just wonderful. And it was it was just so refreshing. I kept thinking when I was at Manhattan School of Music, I wish we had had in, him in there to do some guest lecturing. Well, that was Vastai Jack- Vast Jackson, and I, I, I dare say you should look him up as soon as we get off the line because he is fantastic, and I think you would really love what he does. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right, Katie Eubanks is in the house, and you wrote a great column. Um, was it yesterday? God, I can't remember what day it is. You're talking about the most romantic movies because tomorrow, of course, is Valentine's Day. Yes. And I thought your list was great. Oh, thank you. Um yeah, I basically went with just the first things that came to my mind because otherwise I would take forever and try to make it super definitive and exhaustive and, you know, the of end course. all be all. Um, and I knew I couldn't do that. And um, But yeah, so some of them are just strictly romances. You know, you have Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious, which is like 
I think the most romantic thing I've ever seen. It's just gorgeous. Um, you know, some Jane Austen stuff because I can't help it. And but then you know I threw in the Hunger Games because you know sometimes the, the kids killing kids part or what. Well, that's not romantic at okay, all. But okay, <laughs> no, I mean, some of these movies, you know, I figured if it's a good movie and it has romance in it, it is fair game for that's Valentine's right. Day. Yeah. And, like The Shining. You know, that's not. No, there's no romance in that. <laughs> okay. No, okay. he tries to kill her, so oh, that's, that's probably right. not a good idea. Okay. But um, but yeah, the Hunger. I mean, the Hunger Games is great, and the love story is like it's not even the main point of the movie. Right. And so it's a good love story, but it's not like. The point of the movie isn't, oh, so she can fall in love, you know. She's right. in survival mode. She don't have time to think about which of these two dudes guys are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely on that. Yeah. Um, gosh, I was thinking about Casablanca the other day. I know, and I, I almost put it on there, but it's like everybody knows about Casablanca. I, you but know. this one line, of all the gin joints and, and all the towns in the world, <laughs> yeah. she walks into mine. I know. Oh, that's awesome. And they were, yeah, they were very, very sweet and it was, yeah. was kind of heartbreaking. It was nice. I yeah. know. I know. So what, so what are some others? Um, well, one of my favorites on the list is Clueless. Um, and again, like the love story isn't really the point of yeah. the movie. And I, love story, I'll put that in quotes, you know, this attraction that develops. But really, it's just a hilarious movie. And I mean, I guess you can tell I'm a child of the 90s, but, um, you know, it's an adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. But if you don't know that going in, right. it's, you know, it's this um, really witty send up of. Beverly Hills high school spoiled rich kids life and you would think ew I would hate that I don't want to watch them I would hate those characters but the writing is so good that you like these people even though they're really spoiled and entitled <laughs> um, but it's just really really funny I love it you said you're a child of the 90s, but you did throw one for us child children of the 80s. You threw the Breakfast Club in there. John yes. Hughes. He, did, he always did a good job. He did. I mean, you just, it's hard to top the, you know, simple minds. Don't you forget about me. I actually, yeah. this is how much of a dork I am, y'all. I, on my high school class ring on the inside, you can get things engraved on the inside. Mm -hmm. I got, don't you forget about me. Oh. Engraved <laughs> on the inside of my class ring. It's like. Who am I going to get? Like, this is my class ring. Am I going to forget about myself? Why do I have this? <laughs> I but I was obsessed with it. Like, I dressed up as John Bender one or two times during high school for, like, one of those spirit days where you dress in costume. And it wasn't even related to the day that it was supposed to be. I just wanted to. And then one of my classmates um, said I looked like him. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's like, that wasn't a compliment, dude. No, I don't think I should say thank you here. Uh, Paul, what would you think? I, I love uh, when 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 Harry met Sally. Oh, I think yeah. that's a classic, uh, yeah. especially the restaurant scene. You can't beat that. <laughs> uh, something else, Gone with the Wind. Oh, um, I love Gone with the Wind. Yeah, yes. that, that, that's another classic. Okay, and, here's a little fact about that. He right. had such bad halitosis, Clark Gable did, that it only revolted her to have to kiss him. <laughs> so, frankly, she did give up. She really did. She really, she really did. Because I, I just always heard that. I was like, oh, that kind of takes the edge off of it. I yeah. think they became buddies, though. Like, they would play games together in between takes. they play yeah. checkers and stuff. You can't beat Grease. <laughs> oh, give yeah. me a break. <laughs> I love the end, of that, the end of that whole movie and the, Good girl the, goes the carnival and yeah. the fair or whatever. Uh, this is classic. So we fun. got Mary and Braxton. Hello, Mary. What's your favorite Valentine's Day How song? Are you? I got a couple of uh, love songs that I really am... Uh, Attached to uh, one of them is uh, George Jones. Uh, I'll give you a dollar a day. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I got the mix up. So, his is uh, he stopped loving her today. Yes, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's strong and, as onions. Uh, 
Yeah, and then the other one is by a very little-known uh, country singer, Judge Drunk, and he, he wrote and sang, I'll give you a daisy a day, dear. Oh, that is great. Mary, those were great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Always love it when Mary calls. You have the crown on here from Netflix. That was a fantastic miniseries yes. to begin with. And it yes. talks about, of course, the Queen of England in her yeah. early days. Yeah. And, you know, here she is. She's coming in. She's having to be a queen in a man's world. Mm-hmm. And, and she mm-hmm. in her relationship with Philip. It's so, yeah, it's so frustrating. Um, I, I got really frustrated with Philip <laughs> yes. over the course of the show. And he's really frustrated, and you understand why, but he, he doesn't handle it super well. Um, so, yeah, it is on my list, and it's it's sort of the... It's it just shows you know for those of us who are single or maybe like oh I wish I were married it's like don't don't be in too much of a rush because it's you know it's hard it's work and you know even for a, a king a queen and a prince it's it, it's really hard but that is a fabulous show I think it's the most expensive Netflix series they've ever done and yeah. um, just the set pieces are beautiful so. Victoria is really good too I've been watching that yeah, yeah. I, I missed it last night because I was watching the Grammys I'm gonna have to catch up but um yeah I, I've really enjoyed that one too you have on here the office seasons yes. one through four Jim and Pam's uh, relationship which was fantastic it's I like honestly out of all of these that's the one that still just like gets me right mm-hmm. here because it's so real and you get to know them I guess because it is a series you get to know them over time and it's not just an hour and a half, you know, thing of instant gratification. You really are, like, going on this journey with them. Like, you know, is she finally going to dump this? I, I shouldn't use that word. Is she finally going to dump this? Well, we can this, bleep you out. No problem. This, just um, don't do an Adele on us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, no, is she finally going to dump her fiancé? You know, what's going on? And it's just, uh, yeah, it's heart-wrenching. And, you know, the payoff is great. So Definitely. I got another one for y'all. What's mm-hmm. that? Dirty dancing. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Oh. Now, are you going to have us recreating those dance scenes tomorrow morning? It's all going to be about movement tomorrow, Marshall. It's all going to be about movement. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, Katie is also one of Paul's um, early morning victims. I mean, trainees are yes, in the morning. Yes. So, Katie, uh, Katie, have you had uh, a Valentine's experience where, you know, I, I shared earlier one of mine from when I was in fourth grade with oh. Marty Crosby and... I, I put the chocolates on her doorstep, rang the doorbell, and ran back to my dad's car. Uh, do you have any story like that from your childhood? Any Ooh. any awkward times uh, oh. looking back on it? Um, now that I think about it, I do remember in second grade um, being in class, and um, I don't know if the boy himself walked in or if somebody walked in and gave two of us girls a Valentine from the same boy because he didn't <laughs> he didn't want to make up his mind. Oh, <laughs> sort great. of the Hunger Games thing, you know. He, he didn't know how he felt, but. Um, no, I mean, we did the whole class, you know, make the shoebox and put the cards in and stuff. I did um, my freshman year of college get a really, really sweet Valentine gift from this guy. And it was like with this letter and it was his way of asking me out. And I I ended up saying no because I didn't feel that way about him. Oh, <laughs> but heartbreaker you. Well, we're still friends. Okay. You know? um, yeah, that's, that's, that's always a nervous thing. Just friend zone, though. Oh, yeah. Going, yeah. yeah, actually, ooh, that's a movie I should have included. Just friends. That is the most hysterical Oh, my word, it's so funny. Okay, you know what my favorite all-time movie is? Give it to us. Doc Holliday. <laughs> I mean, I take that back. Doc Hollywood, not Doc yeah, Holliday. Yeah, Doc uh, Hollywood. I haven't seen Doc Hollywood. Well, it's one with Michael J. Fox, and the only reason okay. I say that is because it was, Maybe I have. it was the first date that I went on with my wife. Uh, oh, that's okay. And he gets the pig. Yeah, he gets the pig. And for he, the car or whatever. Yeah, he wrecks uh, his car in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. It's basically <laughs> the same plot as Cars. 
the many okay. cars yes. stole that from him, but yes. it's fantastic. And the only reason I'm saying it's the most romantic is because I met my wife and we went on a date. Aww. And there you go. The rest is history. That's what you Great. saw. Now, Katie, what about Titanic? Because I've been seeing some people Ooh. debate about Titanic on the internet lately because they feel like Rose should have scooted over so Jack could get on it's, the little thing with yeah. her. <laughs> he turned into a popsicle. I mean, I yeah, when I was 10 years old and, you know, my mom let me watch it and, you know, and I, I worked at the garage sale with my parents and saved up the 20 bucks and told my dad, go get me Titanic, you know. Um, yeah, I loved it. But, yeah, I mean, they could have at least tried to take turns. And, I mean, even if he still died, like... It would have been a more fair ending, like, okay, we have some closure. Like, we know they tried, you know. Right, yeah. but instead she's just kind of, like, scooting his hands. Oh, he drew me He drew me with no clothes on. I don't want to be embarrassed by this anymore. We're going to get rid of him. Well, you no, know, my favorite is, I'll, I'll never let go. And then she, like, pries his hands off the thing and literally lets <laughs> let go. Yes. She is. I know. It just ruins the whole ending of the movie, definitely. It's a Wonderful Life, George oh, and Mary. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a great relationship. So sweet. And, you know, he had this quote in there, something like, you look much older with your clothes on or with the yeah, on. I was yeah. Like, and she still married him after he said that. So, <laughs> yeah, that was really adorable. That was good, too. So um, any recommendations for everybody tomorrow to be really romantic? I mean, you know, it depends on, like, I have lots that, you know, the ladies would love. It just depends on how open your significant other is to watching, say, Pride and Prejudice, you know, or Sense and Sensibility or Romeo and Juliet. I recommend the Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio because okay. it's at least set in the modern times or which at the time was 1995 but um it has the shakespearean dialogue but it's in the modern context so you can understand and it's beautiful if you like um you know Boz Lerman, his films moulin rouge the great gatsby um this is another one he did and it's really great what do you think paul i think we ought to get her back on for sure i think so she did great I, I, she's awesome yeah definitely yeah right. it was fun i'll look at you whipping out some celine too <laughs> we need some pretty woman in here Oh, no, our heart must go on. <laughs> there we go. All right, y'all have a happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for listening. I want to thank Vasti Jackson and congratulate him again, too, for the soul of Jimmy Rogers. Make sure you check that out. as a Grammy nominee. And, of course, I want to thank Katie Eubanks for being with us as well. Sharita, thank you for producing. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Thank you again, Paul, too. We'll see you next Monday. And last for a lifetime. And Never let go till we're gone.